0: You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the
1: truth! You can't handle the truth! I know Kung Fu. Show me. I want you to do me a favor. Yeah, sure. I want you to hit me as hard as you can. What? I want you to hit me as hard as you can. I find your lack of faith disturbing. Welcome to the John Weldon Show.
0: To be. It's truly really about becoming the best version of yourself that's possible. This is Man vs. Marriage the Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Man vs. Marriage. It is I, your humble servant, the Q Dog. Rolling a solo podcast in the Moran Family Studio, Studio this time with a guest, as you saw uh, as you opened up this particular episode. And with me uh, is Mr. Jonathan Welton, uh, my former uh, Bible teacher in the Welton Academy. He's an author. Uh, Jonathan, are you a best-selling author? I'd have to say yes.
1: I, a couple of the books. A couple of the books did that well, Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, and he is uh, also a part of an organization called Bulletproof Husband. That's right. And just to be completely open and honest, I left this particular podcast open for a discussion to see where it would go and how it would go. And uh, I really believe that you as our audience will benefit from the things that he has to share. And we don't know exactly where the conversation is going to end up. Um, But we've mapped out about three hours, four hours uh, to get this thing done. So with that, um, I didn't even ask you before I started recording. Do you prefer John or Jonathan? Professor,
1: what's good for you? Uh, You know, let's go with John. Let's keep it easy. You got it. Yeah.
0: John, (laughs) welcome to the Man vs. Marriage podcast. And if you don't mind, just uh, tell us a little bit about you.
1: Thanks, Quincy. Great being with you. So... Let's see. If I go back, I'm I'm 39 years old, been married 18 years. I have three young daughters. Currently, they are nine, six, and three years old. And uh, my wife and I, our family, were down in Fort Mill, South Carolina. We just moved back in December of 2021, and mm-hmm. uh, we're both originally from Rochester, New York. And uh, so big, big move, and uh, we're thrilled. And um, before before all that, we uh, spent years doing ministry stuff. I, I traveled a third of every year for about a decade. I wrote 12 books. I had an online school. Um, yeah, 35 different countries I, I went to. Um, just just basically hyperactive ministry work from 25 to 35 years old and then around 35 years old everything came off the rails and just just crashed my ministry my reputation my friendships my marriage everything crashed and uh, that's... I've been known for a lot of things, and you know, uh, that's kind of a big part of what I'm known for now is having gone through that crash, but walked through it with uh, with a team, with a board, and with Danny Silk, and he ended up writing about it in his book on Punishable. He tells the story of my wife and I and what we walked through, and and uh, you know, that book's a couple couple years old now, and so. The story continues, and the marriage continues, thankfully, and, and thankfully, that's right. <laughs> most importantly, and uh, yeah, it's really, it's been, it's been very dramatic. The last four years has been uh, a roller coaster, and times where I thought I was doing great, and I'd hit another wall, and there'd be another, another layer of drama and mess and pain and hurt and all of this that would come out. And, uh, you know, finally, it, uh, you mentioned I'm, I'm working with a program now called The Bulletproof Husband. I don't run it. It's not a ministry. I participate in it, and I became one of their top coaches, and I'm partnering with them, actually writing a book based on their material. And uh, so that'll be coming out in um, early 2023. Uh, the Bulletproof Husband book will actually be released. So that's, That's uh, excellent. Yeah, it's a big focus now. Really, went from uh, went from this place of being a narcissistic, manipulative, um, constant liar—you know, nice guy—you uh, know, all that, all that stuff and the ministry world—into you know, four years of of you know, going on this journey, which is. Really connected me more into the the world of men and masculinity and getting solid and authentic and really finding uh, finding solidness so that I could be that that anchor for my wife and my three daughters and uh, you know be that be the man that they needed. So that's yeah. that's the real quick version. So
0: it is it is a that's the quick version but i i still appreciate you sharing it and i think uh i think it's important for the guys and the gals i mean we have a a pretty decent amount of of uh female listeners as well um for them to know that um you know there is and there can be success on the other side of of devastation and um yeah what i've what I've always said and, you know, what's rang true for me for the last 12, 13 years is who you are is just not who you have to be. And mm-hmm. uh, if you've just always been, I'm, I'm, this is just who I am. This is the way I am. It's not who you have to be as long as you're willing to make a move in the direction that's intense, intentional. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously for you, for Karen, for your daughters, that that is something that you had to do and you have been doing it and you know if you if we have to look at a litmus test i i just go back to you know the podcast that your wife karen was on when she when she began to break this down mm-hmm. and i think i think it would uh, i think it's a great story i mean it's a it's a hellacious amount of pain for you and and those affected but at the same time um i think it's important for guys to hear what you went through um and so yeah. your your podcast, like if they go listen to your podcast, it's the John P. Welton podcast. I, isn't that correct?
1: <laughs> well, the P is that it's actually just the P from the word podcast. So it's just the John, oh, the shoot. John Welton podcast. Okay, my wife John asked me, Welton. You know, is that graphic artist? Is that gonna look <laughs> is that gonna be a problem? I'm like, I don't know. It's just supposed to look like the John Wick poster. So <laughs> Oh,
0: I got you. Well, there's a lot of guys out there looking for the John P. Welton podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'll put a link in the show and, uh, another feather in, uh, Karen's cap because, uh, she probably called it, but yeah, look, I'm a yeah. slow learner. So, <laughs> She's um, <the> artist, so <laughs> I think it, I think the, the artistry is great. I know mm-hmm. during the school one time you were asking, uh, you know, for some input, you know, about how you were kind of destroying some of the old cows or concepts yeah. of religion. And I had suggested you go in with, uh, um, Ah, oh, shoot, I forgot his name. Uh what's the guy Ryan Reynolds plays? Um
1: Ryan Reynolds. Which movie? What
0: you think? Yeah, of? it's uh it's the superhero guy uh movie that he plays in. Um
1: Green Lantern? No, yeah. it's <laughs> Deadpool. It's, it's another Deadpool. Deadpool. There you go. Yeah.
0: yeah. I suggested that uh, you go in as uh, as Deadpool and uh it didn't make the cut, but uh <laughs> I thought it would have been hilarious. Probably a little too far over the line. But <laughs> with, with that said, you're you really Put the true, I mean, the full story out in the four series or four uh, part series on your John Welton podcast. Um, So I'll put a link in the show notes for that so y'all can go and listen to it. And I think it'll have a lot of value because the fact is, is that um, with where you found yourself, you know, you could have just called it quits. There's a lot of things you could have done, but what you decided to do. was find a place to rise from the ashes, not remain who you were and move forward. And, um, you know, you have a, a wife and three daughters as well as yourself, um, who are able to benefit
1: from that. So, yeah. Um, I, you know, that one of the metaphors that really clicked for me because it's, it's so easy to get thinking, well, I'm this, I'm a narcissist or you get a label thrown on you. I'm a, whatever a you know, fallen minister or something and you get stuck there and then you're trying to literally fight an identity that you believe about yourself well yeah. i'm a fallen minister but i'm also something else and i'm i'm saved by grace or you know and you're you're fighting an uphill or upstream battle um, the picture that we use that's that really helped me is let's say that I was running a marathon and I am fit and I'm a marathon runner and I'm in shape for that. And all of a sudden somebody comes out of the bushes and shoots me in the chest nine times. Well, I'm going to be laying in a hospital bed if I survive, you know, and I'm recovering. Yeah, Yeah. It doesn't, you can't say, well, you're not a marathon runner. You can say you're a marathon runner who's now been wounded and injured and you have to get healed of those wounds. And so everything that was true of my identity was still true of my identity, Mm -hmm. but I had these big bullet holes in me and those had to get dealt with. And the fact that, you know, inside the, inside the systems and church and Christians and different people I interacted with who, once you kind of get like, oh, now you have like ministry leprosy and Mm -hmm. there's that projection that's like, oh. gotta stay away. He's, he's this, he's that. And all the labels that get thrown around, especially people put a lot of trust in psychology now. And so any, any label like that, that gets thrown on you instead of you are not the bullet holes. The bullet holes are causing you to bleed and be a mess and your actions and your behavior and your life to be a mess, but you are not your bullet holes. You, you're the marathon runner. And yeah, that that differentiation they they do that so well in the bulletproof husband and that metaphor of bullets being the emotional damage and trauma that we we all get from life and and yet most of us don't proactively know what to do with that those bullets and how to handle them and deal with them so you know yeah yeah
0: i think i think something that's very interesting about that particular metaphor, um, is not only can the bullets wound you coming from other people, but we can also, you know, shoot ourself, um, so to speak and cause, yeah. you know, wounds, um, that are, in, that are self-inflicted. And, um, I can, I, I can't imagine. I mean, I know when, uh, when Jeannie and I were going through our, our toughest times, Um, I, it wasn't on display for everyone to see and talk about Mm -hmm. and to discuss, um, you know, and so that, I mean, that had to add another layer of just difficulty for yourself and your family and for those affected. But I mean, for me with a guy out there, I mean, chances are that, you know, he doesn't, he's not visible like you were, but where and how did you find It within yourself to get up off the ground and move forward Mm -hmm. that is a I know that's a deep question and I ask it because the the amount of emails I've gotten um, in the past for guys that are separated you know from their wife and uh, maybe it's their fault it's collective you know them together or maybe it's hers but how do you how do you find it within yourself to get off the mat and get moving
1: oh great question and there's really um to back up there's there's two thoughts there so the first about self-inflicted wounds and bullets um yeah 100 percent, 100 percent agree and actually and most people would be pretty challenged by this concept but we actually teach that all bullets are actually self-inflicted that that's a good word other people are not doing it to you and we we think like that in our modern victim way of thinking. But mm-hmm. let's say, you know, you're, you're eight years old, you're in a classroom, you get up to try to spell a word on the whiteboard, and you get it wrong, and the kids laugh at you. Well, the way that you might tell that is as a victim, but what you actually do is you actually tell yourself, they laughed because I'm stupid. And in that moment, you gave yourself what we call the stupid bullet. And it's actually you gave yourself that bullet and that bullet is a label that uh, and we there's really common ones. stupid bullet is a huge one for guys guys who, you know, they, they have to explain everything every detail they're constantly talking they're overwhelming their their spouse, they can never listen. There's typically, you know, guys who get a PhD they're overcompensating for the eight year old inside themselves that actually thinks that they're stupid. So some of the most brilliant people I know have the biggest stupid bullets possible. And yeah. you know, it's the same with some of the other ones. The, the guy who's massive, successful CEO probably has an eight year old inside that thinks he's a loser. And so he has to succeed and the bodybuilder, he's probably got a little kid who thinks he's weak and mm-hmm. you know, these, these, they all come with an overcompensation to make up for the bullet, the label that they gave themselves. So hundred percent agree on that, that concept. And, and uh, it's a very high level of responsibility that a lot of guys struggle with at first because it's much easier to think, well, you know, my wife, she's shooting bullets at me all the time. And it's like, (laughs) oh, that's because you're You're the one giving her the ammo, dude. (laughs) Yeah. You have the victim bullet. You think you're a victim. So then, uh, yeah, so then how motivation, I, I think the, you know, really, there's two dimensions. Yeah, it is, it is hard as hell to actually be on like a global stage of observation. You know, when, when I crashed everything, Charisma Magazine put out an article uh, announcing it when Danny Silk put out the letters saying that I was free from the restoration process and could go live my life, do whatever, do ministry or whatever. Um, they put out another article announcing it. So it's like, okay, everything's under a microscope at an extreme level. You got oh, yeah. people write blogs. They can say whatever they want. Um, you know, there's there's all kinds of things. And and that is a – it's a crazy challenge. And I, I watch with, you know, a huge heart of empathy when I watch like – John Chris get canceled a few years ago, everything Todd Bentley went through, everything Carl Lentz went through, everything Brian Houston's now going through. It's like I see both sides. It's like, oh, it's awful some of the things that were done and behaviors and stuff. I get that. But then the heart of like, oh my gosh, I can't imagine the painful arguments and, and everything going on behind the scenes and the the you know, whatever suicidal thoughts or, you know, Mm -hmm. alcoholism or whatever might creep in there to try to cope with that embarrassment, that shame. Um, There was a audio book I listened to over the last few years called, uh, so you've been publicly shamed. And it was an interesting study of, of different people who like there was some CEO lady. She, she made some offhanded comment on her Twitter and then got on a plane, and by the time she landed, there was like millions of shares uh, of the Twitter comment, and she had been fired from her company. The board had eliminated her, like basically just ruined her life by the time she landed in in the next city on, yeah. It was like, wow, holy cow, you can literally do something that small, and it just blow up your whole life. And that's not to say I did anything small, but there's... The way that the public now activates and goes after situations like like this is is just... It's the modern version of the public square where you put somebody in stocks in the middle of the town to point and laugh and mock and throw an egg at them and whatever. And, and it's... Uh, not to say that that does or doesn't work, but it's definitely not the kingdom. It's just there's nothing there's nothing Christlike about that. So, yeah. you know, that's, maybe that's how the world does it or should do it or whatever. But, uh, you know, that's, that's not, that's not what the church should be doing with our own. And, uh, the way I think it's in Galatians, Paul says, you know, don't bite and devour each other unless you be, lest you be consumed. And yes. the, it's like that, uh, body of Christ cannibalism that takes place. And so how do you, how do I deal with that? That the brutal, brutal times that are very painful. Well, it, it was awful, but it actually adds an element of motivation. So Mm. a regular guy, when he's going through a separation, a divorce, something like that, his motivation, simply just look at your kids. Your kids need a marriage that works. They need you to figure it out and they need that stability and security it's just that simple and straightforward i had that but on top of that because of being a public figure and watching how people never get back up and if they do maybe they get they go from you know one level and then they get back up and they're now going to pastor a church of uh 20 people out in the middle of the countryside somewhere for the rest of their Mm -hmm. life with a huge cloud of shame hanging over their head. And I just was like, that's not right. And it's, it's, that marathon runner should be able to run marathons again if he actually deals with his, his bullet holes. And yeah, there has to be, somebody has to put in the work to actually walk this out, to set an example I didn't set out to be the poster child of any of this, but if that's how the yeah. Lord wants to use me, well, you know, that's, that's part of like laying your life down, being a living sacrifice. And it, if this is the, the thing, you know, I've, I've been hated for my great eschatology. I've been hated for oh, yeah. believing in women in ministry. I've been hated for, I've been hated for like dozens of things that I've taught over the years. And so there's, there's like, all right, so I can be hated for something new not a problem. And, (laughs) you know, and, and that's part of it is you have to get for me. And I, I would say for anybody, probably you have to get past the shame or else you haven't actually dealt with it. Like if you're trying to hide your bullet hole under your coat, it's not healed. It's not okay. But when you can really lay it out and be like, listen, here's what happened. Here's what I did. how i treated people here's why i treated people that way here's here's the dysfunction that was going on in my in my inner world and here's what i had to do to get rid of it and that's probably that's probably the part i've i've covered the least in all my podcasts is you know what was the process of dealing with it I, i mostly just direct people to the bulletproof husband because they have a system that is brilliant and i've tried countless things over i mean i i went hardcore on so many different modalities and wasn't finding what i needed until finding their system and really digging in deep into uh you know their approach and started to find really immediate breakthrough i think uh during my second separation from my wife which was uh started in April of 2020. At that time, she she had thrown in the towel. She was like, he's he's tried everything. He works really hard, but he cannot change. He cannot seem to figure this out. And so I can't deal with this anymore. So she had given up hope. I mean, I she'd watched me work hard without fruit for a couple years at that point. And and after about two, three weeks of of just getting started in the program, she was already telling Danny Silk like, "There's some significant change here. I don't believe it yet, but wow. this is what I've been waiting for." And uh, yeah, it really um, when I when I think about the when i think about the program and I, I you know it's not a christian program it's not a ministry it's it's a secular thing that i totally found you know i you could say it was a miracle you could say it was it was yeah. you know was supernatural or you could say it was a facebook el- algorithm um but you know when you're mm-hmm. when you're going through stuff like i was going through you you just start getting your newsfeed loaded up, you know, any guy who's been through, you know, big arguments with his wife or a separation or something, you start seeing, you know, wake up warrior and, and man on fire and, you know, five, five ways to heal your marriage from rabbi's something or other. And there's like, yeah. you know, it just loads up your newsfeed. And I signed up for everything free. I was like, I'll check them all out and, and we'll see what, what, looks like it's going to work and and so i was getting all these emails you know and and uh there's there's one program that's like you know you need to put up all your defenses and be ready because she's going to come after your money if you get separated she's going to do this it was all defensive stuff and i was like uh delete that's not what i'm looking for (laughs) and and there's, there's others that are more generalized and they're like you know, here's a phone app, and it's six hundred dollars, and you know, you get it for thirty days, and you're going to work on your your business, and your marriage, and your family, and your kids, and your health, and your and I was like, I don't, I'm not looking for all that. I'm looking for how do I stop being an asshole husband? Yeah, like where's that program? <laughs> <laughs> so it, finally, I was like, here's the guy. Like I found this program, what they were doing is they were sending out a free two to three minute video every day. And so I'm getting a video from the guy who created it. And he's a, he's a young guy named Andre, Andre Gabori. He's from Hungary and, uh, man, he made so much sense and just would say things super clear, super direct and just hammer his points. And I'm like, oh, this is, this is amazing. So I was actually watching the free videos for like two months. And then I got what they call the slap and the slap is, I don't love you anymore. Or I, I, uh, want a separation or here's the divorce papers or I'm having an affair or, you know, this child is not yours. Like, I mean, slaps come in a lot of shapes and sizes, yeah. but mine was the, the slap was, uh, I, I want to separate and I don't think you can change. And so wow. when I got that slap, I'd already been watching his videos for a couple months and I was like, I need to sign up for this immediately. And and I I signed up right away and got to work and and I, I really didn't know what I was signing up for, but it's it's about fifteen hours a week investment of time if you're really implementing and using the tools, which compared to most guys who are going to go maybe every other week for marriage counseling, sit in an office for an hour and talk to a therapist or something, you know, that's, there's worlds apart versus, you know, you're going to get deep dive, you know, tools and, and, activity for 15 hours a week. So yeah. it, was, uh, it was a huge, it was a huge surprise what I actually signed up for.
0: So yeah, it it sounds like it and there I mean there is so much. I can't wait to listen to this podcast. Um there's so much to uh to unpack there and um you know, just just to talk uh, talk through a few things that that you discussed and I have a question for you and I don't know you're a theologian, so you should be able to explain it. Um <laughs> It'll have nothing to do, do with the Do you want the answer in English point. or Greek or Latin? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I would say, you know, and, and Jeannie, Jeannie and I have made this uh, pretty clear about our podcast, and it's not a Christian podcast, but we're Christians who do a podcast. And gotcha. um, I usually, if you're doing a marriage podcast, you know, people, guys will say, oh, I'm not into church, man, I'm just not into church. I said, well, a few things. It's It's not church. It's our journey, and uh, we're Christians who do a podcast. And if there's an E for explicit, it's because of my wife, she's got a she's got a potty mouth. So don't worry, <laughs> we're not going to force church on yep. you. You know, <laughs> yeah, and uh, and I appreciate that about her, even uh-huh. though you know I'm a, a very I'm from the Church of God in Alabama. And uh, I don't know if you know this, um, but her and I almost didn't get married because of the whole pants and dress thing. Um, oh, wow. The way I was raised. So, I mean, it was a moment. It was a moment in time that I literally con- just considered walking away from her because, you know, I if I had daughters, I, they were going to be wear dresses. Lo and behold, I got seven daughters. So, very God has a great sense of humor, if I could say so. Um, but. I, I something that struck me in that I'm I'm just wondering what your thoughts are shame is such a heavy it's like napalm or it's like a wet blanket it's so heavy and hard to manage why do you think shame is so difficult to work through why is it such a heavy factor um, in us as humans if that question even makes sense
1: yeah it does now how did you connect that to the thought about the background of church and Church of God like just bridge those two thoughts together
0: those uh those are separate thoughts that comes back to uh, that goes back to what you were talking I'm I, well let me say this I think that shame is just talking about the Church of God I think it's a pretty heavy tool Mm -hmm. to be used um, because you know and I didn't really think about going this way but I'll I'll just put it out there because we're talking about it what the thing about it when I was growing up in the Church of God is that I constantly heard about the love of God but in the same sermon it was about how worthless we are and how we are no better than a filthy rag that we're lower than a worm like those are things that my own dad as a as a, a preacher in the Church of God, yeah. uh, talked about so it really it really created a the dichotomy if I'm using the word right of like okay God is good and loves me but I'm a piece of crap mm. um, yeah. and it wasn't until I got a hold of you know Graham Cook's message about the love of God mm. that like set me free and it was it was pretty incredible and I mean you know. The, the what you, you were talking about, how you took so many shots of, uh, you know, public shame or you yeah, know yeah. public ridicule over your theology, you know, I've taken, I've taken some of those too because it's uh you know it's like hey either either Jesus was telling the truth or he was a liar so <laughs> what what how are we going to look at this, <laughs> you know, um, but really it it wasn't even though shame has played a a pretty deep role in my life, um, I think most of it probably comes from what I've heard in church in in the not good enough syndrome. I I think another part of that um, has to do with my parents, you know, when they divorced, I always felt like if I was with one and not the other, I was letting one of them down and I felt horrible about it. So, So, you know, there was a lot, there was a lot going on on the shame side. And that probably leads me to, to the question of, you know, with, with what you were going through in the, in the public ridicule you were going through. Um, and if you were, or the weight of shame that was on your life, how, how in the world, you know, did you move past that? I think you answered that well, but why is it that, why is shame so heavy?
1: That's a cool question. Oh man. And great, great, great answer as far as where that's coming from. Um, would you say that did your wife have as much shame as you did or, or was it lighter and different? I mean, she's the one who uh, has the potty mouth and uh, wears, wears pants sometimes. So, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, the thing about think thing about Jeannie, um, A, is if you ever look us up on the Internet, you'll see that I have no business being with her because <laughs> she is so hot. Um, but uh, she does not operate with shame. Um, and I admire that. L- like, I, uh, there's probably like a version of I don't operate in shame that's that can hurt people really bad. Mm. Um, but she doesn't shame is not the first thing on her mind. Mm. And so, you know, we, we used to talk like when we were first together, and she's like, Well, the way God speaks to me, it just takes a two by four and hits me upside the head and says, here's where it is, stupid. And I'm I'm like, I'm so taken back by that. I'm like, how could you ever say that about God? Ah, how could you do that? You know, and um uh. so we I I her shame is probably in another area. Um and, and I'm sure that she works through it. But really shame is on my probably more heavily laden on my side of the relationship
1: um i would say interesting okay what do you think the opposite of shame is i have a thought but i just have you ever no this is great
0: this is great yeah um the opposite of shame let me just take a minute to think through that because that in itself is a fantastic question um i would say the opposite of shame to me would be acceptance even though that might be wrong.
1: That's where I would go with it. Yes, exactly. And I I think that, you know, even for the masculine versus the feminine, love feels different. So Mm. love for a woman is to that. Like one of the highest forms of love is to feel completely emotionally safe. And one of the highest forms of love for a man is to feel completely accepted. And so, You know, if you're if you're a man who's insecure around other men because, well, they're not going to accept me. I'm I'm weaker. I'm lesser than I'm not. I'm I just feel that insecurity around other men. If the insecurity is actually around a shame of who you are and a lack of acceptance of yourself or, you know, the fear that they're not going to accept you. And even even higher for most men is my women are not going to accept me. They're gonna see I'm I'm a creep I'm a whatever I'm a weirdo I'm a you know you know I'm disfigured <laughs> you know whatever and yeah. uh, and even even if they get one you know you you know you go out there you get yourself a hot wife but she's still you got to hold something back you got to hide something because she won't accept this part of you. The mm-hmm. amount of guys I've talked to who once they started doing the emotional work and digging into what's going on in in their emotional world. And then they tell me, you know, I've been married 10 years, but, uh, I never told my wife that when I was eight years old, uh, you know, I was molested by an older boy on my street or some, you know, some sort of sexual abuse story like that. Yeah. And I'm like, are you, how the hell could you be married for a decade and not your wife doesn't know that? Like I, it, to me, it blows my mind cause I don't have the experience but that's the power of shame is that that i'm like how painful for that man to walk around thinking his wife can't hear that because she would reject him she would you know look at him like he's broken disgusting dirty you know some, some evil something like that and uh, weak and so he has to keep that inside and hide that so he never actually gets love into that air into that area to deal with that. He just carries that thing around mm. hidden inside. Uh, and there's, that's, you know, a really strong example, but I've heard that countless times now. And yeah, it's like, wow, the power of that, that disconnect. But how, how many wives are sitting there going, I don't understand why he's so insecure around sex. He can't even, can't even say sex. He, he can't initiate. He can't this, he can't that. I don't get it. Uh, and so much of it goes back to his own stuff that he, he himself won't face. And Mm -hmm. most guys won't. And this, this is the shocker for women because they're like, well, I don't understand. Why does it take, why does it take a woman getting to the point that she's going to have an affair or a divorce before they will finally start working on themselves? And the picture that came to me one day was like, men are carrying around a bucket full of pain like all the pain they've ever had in their life they're carrying it around in a bucket and their wife is saying well why don't you just look in the bucket and deal with it and it's like no it's too overwhelming I I'm gonna ignore it I'm gonna push it down I'm gonna do anything I can do to avoid looking in that bucket of pain and dealing with it until she makes the pain so high through an affair or a divorce or some other threat like that, that it's okay. Either I deal with this bucket or I'm going to lose my marriage and my kids. Now I Mm. will finally look in this bucket and deal with stuff. And that's, that's what it takes for most men to get to that point to actually deal with themselves.
0: That is, that is such a great analogy because guys, we will just carry around heavy stuff. It's just, I mean, the picture is articulated so well in the way you you drew it out there. And then it takes your wife dumping the bucket out for you to look, (laughs) you know, at what's in the bucket. And, um, that's an incredible way to put it. And, and I, I've long said that, uh, you know, awareness in the hands of a man can be a weapon and it can be a weapon for good. And it can also be a weapon for bad, Oh yeah. um, And when I, when I look at things and my, you know, my wife will tell you this, if I see something and I'm aware of something within me and, you know, funny enough, since, you know, the righteousness, consciousness, teaching, so to speak, Mm. that uh, Bill and Rita, our pastors uh, back in the day brought us through. And then the Welton Academy, Mm. if I'm aware of something, I've got to hone in on it um, and run towards what's uncomfortable uh, because I, I want each nook and cranny within me to be available for the presence of God. Um, so I, I think it's, I think it's great that I didn't like, I didn't anticipate anticipate, you know, the conversation going some of this way, but I really believe that there are some guys out here uh, listening who can truly benefit because you're talking about, you know, shame is uh let me get back to it here because i had to write down yeah we were talking about shame Um,
1: and there was a a loop there that we didn't close i could i could pick up on that um
0: yeah if absolutely because i think there i think shame has a really really ugly cousin and they hold hands all the time (laughs) so i'm I'm interested to hear what you
1: uh what else you have to say there so you had asked about why shame is so heavy and yeah i think part of the reason is because We've never, in our modern, especially modern Western culture, we've not been taught as men how to actually deal with that bucket of pain that we're carrying around. Mm -hmm. And so it just gets heavier and heavier, but it wasn't like this back in the day. If you go back and you think in terms of living in tribes for thousands of years, you'd have men that would get up and they'd go out of the village and they would go hunt and they might be gone for the day or the week or weeks on end and they're out there and they they are experiencing nature and men and masculinity and hunting Mm -hmm. and they're together and there's a natural transference of wisdom and nowadays men are very disconnected and and so in that, what I think part of what got transferred is, let's say, the tribal hunting party. Now you're going to take down a saber-toothed tiger or a woolly mammoth. You're all going to work together, and you're, you know, you're you're attacking this thing, and somebody gets, uh, you know, big big scratch on their arm and they're bleeding. They're going to keep fighting because if you don't, you're going to die. Like saber-toothed tiger yep. is going to kill you, so you got to suppress the pain. And fight the thing until the battle's done. But that's one of the great things about a man is we actually are wired in a good way for suppress the pain until the job is done. But then we, we haven't learned how to deal with it, which at the end of the day, as you're cooking saber tooth tiger over a campfire, you're going to mm-hmm. dance around the campfire. You're going to hoot, you're going to holler. You're gonna scream. You're gonna, sh- you know, shake it off. You're gonna do all that and dance it out, and get it out of your system. There's mm-hmm. a there's a a well known book now, uh, Dr. Peter Levine, called "Waking the Tiger," and he talks about after a gazelle gets chased by a tiger, uh, if it if it escapes, it does this whole routine where it basically shakes off all the adrenaline and cortisol and nervous system anxiety that's in it and then it can be healthy and go on its way and that mm. as humans we haven't been doing this and instead we go through stressful situations like covid or work or you get fired or whatever and instead we go oh i'm depressed i should probably i'm going to eat a bunch of sugary stuff i'm going to drink a bunch of alcohol i'm going to get some depression pills i'm going to whatever, and zone out on social media. And we don't actually do the basic thing of physically being in touch with our bodies, which is a huge part of actually dealing with your emotions. There was a, uh, right. so this, this, especially for men, cause it's, it's different. The feminine uh, very often can speak and communicate their feelings. And then when it, when they feel heard, understood, appreciated, and valued, the feelings are now taken care of and they're gone. And it can be that, that simple. Now it, it can be a process uh, for sure. And I'm not saying it's not painful and messy and and yes, but on the masculine side, there's a lot of guys who need to go on Facebook marketplace, buy a punching bag, go in a garage when nobody's home, Blast as I lay dying and, you know, say everything they need to say and scream and cry and let out all kinds of pain until the bucket's empty. Until they get all the way down there to feeling, you know, that I'm that eight-year-old in front of the classroom that they're all laughing at and let that pain out. And if you don't let that pain out, you end up with all the stuff, the, the drugs, the alcohol, the social media, the porn, the... Uh, seeking attention uh, acceptance from everywhere approval from everywhere and when you actually get down to the bottom of that and you go you know what I'm I'm actually I'm acceptable I am who I am I can love myself I can I'm not I don't have anything to run from or hide here and all the bad stuff that I did in my life I did because I was shoving that pain down and trying to pretend Mm -hmm. it wasn't there and instead of actually dealing with it. So,
0: yeah, I, I think that's a, a fantastic way to put it. And, um, just to absolutely concur with what you're talking about, um, for the longest time, like I can go back to, um, the time where, you know, whether it was, you know, finding out that my children were, sexually abused by a babysitter or our daughter having a grand mal seizure and having to be flown to UCLA out in California and brain surgeries and life support, um, all manner of things. I knew that I had to be strong for my wife, my family, um, because they needed somebody solid um, to support them that was unwavering, not that showing some emotion is not, is not helpful because they, they, they will know from time to time how to express that, but saving it for the punching bag. It's interesting. You yeah. bring that part up. And I think in your story, you, you've alluded to that as well. And there is, there is such a release. The great thing is the punching bag never hits you back. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. you know, if you can, if you get to a place where you can do that, um, you can empty the bucket, yes, and it it really, truly, truly helps. And the and the great thing is, if you have an empty bucket and a clean bucket, there's things you can fill that bucket with that will benefit you and your wife and your children. And uh, then it's really worth
1: carrying heavy things around. So,
0: <laughs> I just I I completely agree with you with you there. Um, And I'll and add a going... thought
1: too because we were talking about. Yep christian non-christian there's a lot of christian guys have a harder time doing that and they've been taught to be such nice little boys and Mm. not be in touch with those feelings and just squish that down and they've become professional emotional suppressors and it can be i mean i i know guys it takes them six months in the program before they will finally crack and start letting that emotion out and wow their wife notices an immediate change now she isn't in the garage she doesn't know how the change happened but yeah but that that as soon as he starts pulling some of that pain out and actually getting rid of it she can tell immediately something has changed and that that can be so hard and yet we forget that we have an entire book in the Bible called Lamentations. Yeah, come on. (laughs) We got King David, who starts so many of the Psalms just like raging at God or, you know, go smash these babies on a rock or kill my enemies for me or, you know, all this stuff. And then by the end of it, he's like, oh, I feel so much better. I'm glad I got that out. God, you're awesome. And, you know, it's, it's in there, but we don't pay attention to it. Because culturally, we're blind to it, and yeah. and we have like, like, like we have these verses that say, "Be angry, but do not sin." So there's a way to responsibly deal with your anger, and mm-hmm. guys are missing that in our culture. Because you go from tribes to then we're in the industrial uh, industrial revolution. We're all at the steel mill together, twelve hours a day, with other men, and then somewhere after World War II. We all just kind of end up in this this mixed world where guys are not connected to guys, and yeah. we're not connected to how to handle our our emotional life, and we don't know what to do with it.
0: I agree, and I you know I would say um, and correct me if I'm wrong. I mean there are just things that make men human again, and mm-hmm. um, one of those is dealing with their anger in in a physical way at the gym or on the punching bag. Yeah. In another way, you know, is connecting intimately through sex with their wife. Mm-hmm. Um those are things that just will will bring men uh, fulfillment but also make them human again. Maybe. It may maybe it's only me, um <laughs> but uh you know, there are times where it's like you know, it, you know, you're know, you edgy or, or whatever it is, yeah. or it's been a while. I've been traveling for work and I, you know, get home and my wife and I will, you know, we'll make love. And it's like, okay, I'm a human again. I'm a this human is, again. This is great. <laughs> yeah.
1: Let's make humans great again. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I love it. I love it. Um, to kind of close the loop on that, uh, on that uh, shame I think you know just listening to what you're saying there's just all kinds of things growing in my mind uh enlightenment you know when it comes to it but as far as shame I think it's ugly cousin is just uh is rejection mm. and I think it's a it's a pretty sick cycle and that's those are two things that I've had to really really work through mm. um is with the with the whole I, I I I hate to point fingers at the church it's just where I remember the most impressionable times of figuring that, you know, I'm f- feeling worthless. Nowhere else did I really feel that way except for church. It was still a great and kind group of people, um, but man, it's like how do you how can you love God so much when you are just a piece of crap? And uh, <laughs> you know, so when when I look at it, I think part of what makes shame so heavy is is that uh, is when you add rejection on it. I mean, shame is heavy enough by itself, but um, I'm just really speaking, you know, from, from personal experience there. So it's really, it's awakened me in that sense. Um, so I appreciate you sharing your thoughts on that. I know the question was kind of out of left field, but just listening to you yeah. yeah. Um, and looking at the emails that we've had, it's like, uh, you know, public figures, um, it's got to be terrible. But I would say even, even if you're not a public figure, but the uh, but all the people you know know what you've done, that it, it's no less painful and impacting. I mean, I'm sure there were thousands of people you don't know saying all kinds of ripe things about you and, and who you are and what what you did, and that is terrible. Yeah. It 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 probably hurts a lot too, um, maybe to a deeper degree when the people you know and love the most are saying those things about you and. The shame of that had to be so heavy, and for you to to stand up and to move forward um, for the reasons you've discussed, I, I I commend you for that.
1: Yeah, I, I can I can jump off that uh, thought about rejection too, and and there's there's a few different thoughts there. So, yeah, the the shame the the shame was really um, heavy, and it, it was a lot to to deal with. Uh, But then when I finally got those tools in front of me and actually started digging the pain out of the bucket and dealing with it, dealing Mm. with it, dealing with it, it got down to the point of, you know, knowing that when somebody now is trying to shame, it's, it's just them because I don't have shame about it. And, Mm. and so being, having an empty bucket, it's like, this is not my issue. This is your issue. Like, I accept me, even even looking back, like the brutally painful things in my childhood, the horrible choices that I made as an adult, I can look back at all of it and go, you know what? All of that concluded to the man that I am today, and I love the man that I am today. And Mm -hmm. there's nothing I would change that has made me into the man I am. The thing I would change is... And I think this is the hardest part in all of it is looking back. And I know that I have, I know that I have my wife. I have my kids. I have Danny silk. I have others who walk the journey and saw the change happen, but then there's others who got frozen along the way and in their pain and in what they experienced of me and the awful ways that I acted, they got stuck where they got stuck. And they are wonderful, precious people that I miss, I think of often, uh, friends and, you know, students, staff members. And it's it's so sad. You know, I I just went to uh, I went to a funeral last week uh, up in Nashville and um, there's as I'm driving to Nashville, I'm thinking of different people I know around the Nashville area that Mm -hmm. have, you know, they've all blocked me and won't anything anymore and it's like I get that. I understand why you would have blocked Jonathan 2 years ago. But I wish that we could still be on this journey together and you could see where we are now. Like it's just that I think is uh the sad part and that's not it's not even from an angle of like ow that hurts like a rejection. It's more of a sadness over that piece of what's missing. Um yeah. and you know time I don't know maybe a decade from now hearts will shift and change and you know some people need a decade before they can trust again or something but um that's that's one piece of the puzzle for me and then and then from the angle of rejection itself you know and this the part of this is that actually how we take rejection of like what does it mean what does it really mean? Because if it means if, if you go to your wife and say, Hey babe, I've been traveling for a week and now I'm home. Let's have sex. And she says, "Ah, I'm not in the mood. You could take that personally and it strikes your ego and it hurts and you've just been rejected or it could be taken as another context. You could take it as I didn't, I didn't realize maybe her period's about to start in two days or she had some bad cheese or she was up all night with the kids while I was out of town. Like there's a billion different reasons for why she doesn't want to, but rejection is really taking it and personalizing it. And when you get out of that context and you actually deal with the, the, the deep personal hurts, rejection just doesn't hit you as often because Mm. that context has shifted. So, you can even take another approach. And this is what the most successful salesmen in the world take is that a a rejection is just another drop in the bucket toward a yes. So mm-hmm. I need to get, you know, rejected nine times in a row before she says, yeah, babe, let's go for it. And so, you know, you can either collapse in rejection in that moment, And get all, you know, well, you don't understand. I've been gone for a week and I, you know, I'm, I'm a good boy and whatever. (laughs) Or, you know, and a lot of guys do that. Or you can go down the like, okay, that's, that has nothing to do with me. That's her thing. And I'm going to come back, you know, tomorrow. I'm going to approach this another way. I'm going to up my game, um, my confidence level, my, my humor, my bravado, my connection maybe she just needs to cuddle for an hour first, maybe something, maybe there's something else going on here. And yep. when you take that approach and you start adding those things, it's just, uh, really the bottom line, a lot of rejection is a context that we, we take on and the more bullets we have and the more shame we have and the more of those, uh, You know, this this is one of the I guess here's a metaphor that I haven't included yet in our conversation is that so you come in as a man, you got your bucket of pain and you're loaded with all these bullet holes. One of the awesome reasons to get married is women are amazing at sticking their finger in your bullet hole. If you meet Mm -hmm. a guy who's 45 years old and he's never been married, there's usually lots of things going on for that guy. And, you know, emotionally that have never been addressed, never been taken care of. He might still be living in his uh, parents' basement playing his PlayStation, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing. (laughs) And yet, if you marry that, if you find that same guy, he's been married, he has kids, he's got a career, he's got a lot of that going on. He's been carved into a different kind of man. And Mm -hmm. part of that is getting yourself a good woman who will literally stick her finger in your bullet hole and say, that doesn't look okay. You need to probably deal with that. And you go, Oh, that hurts like hell. Why are you doing that? (laughs) Why would you poke me? You big meanie. And you can either keep saying that for, you know, 50 years of marriage or you can go, you're right. I got to go deal with that. Yeah. And when you actually go deal with it, you actually become a better man and your wife is actually doing you a favor And most guys take that as rejection or her being a bully.
0: Yeah. And that's a, that's a great way to put it. Um, because that, you know, that's something that I think a good spouse in general, uh, because you know, when it comes to just my wife, she's terrible at self-care, but she's great at taking care of everybody else in the Mm -hmm. family. And every once in a while it's like, you know, if she's got bullet holes, I guess I'm sticking my finger in it and saying, Hey honey, you need to do this for yourself. You need to you need to invest in you. You need mm-hmm. to get a little more sleep or go take a bath or something that's going to revitalize you because you always put you last. Mm-hmm. And um so I think uh, to your credit I I think that is 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 certainly something that uh that marriage and relationship and intimacy provides as a value. Is somebody who cares enough to 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 poke you in the bullet hole. (laughs) Yeah. And most people think
1: that's the downside that nobody told them about marriage. Like, Oh, I didn't know we'd be doing this all the time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, hopefully the more you do that, the less it happens. But, uh, you know, for, for some of us guys, it takes a while, um, for us to get it. And like you say, we're built, we're kind of built to deal with it, you know, (laughs) and, uh, and we do it too often. And, I just to kind of close the loop on the on the rejection side I think you brought something up that's very very important for us to understand and it's contextualizing it because I think a lot of rejection is, you know, I, I say a lot, maybe a decent amount of it is really it's it's a sea, it's like a vast sea of assumptions and in in your assumptions are filling up that sea. Um which makes the, the the rejection, you know, it makes you sink in it um, because when I, like you say, I, when I'm getting, when there is a rejection, no matter what it's about, all of a sudden I'm internalizing it. I'm assuming things. I'm making it personal um, yeah. when it may not even be the other person's mindset. Um, so I think, uh, I think that was a very helpful articulation for both shame and rejection and like I said, I didn't, I, I didn't necessarily think things would go that way, but I hope, you know, in my heart, I hope it's helping guys out there um, as much as it's kind of helping paint a picture for me. So I, I deeply appreciate that.
1: Awesome. awesome, man. this has been a lot of fun. I, I think we probably, uh, probably should bring it for a landing, but man, I've so enjoyed this conversation, Quincy.
0: Yeah. And I, myself as well. And, uh, and I'm feeling like it's the same spot. I think, uh, if we, if we try to add any more, you know, we might just, uh, we might just be overdoing it because we, we definitely covered some pretty heavy topics and, uh, you know, maybe sometime we can have you back on, uh, I'd love to. maybe after the yeah, book, I'd love that'd to. be great. Absolutely. Maybe after the book comes out, we can, uh, we can get that out there. I'm going to, yeah. I'll put your information. Um, let me just commend you also for this. Um, I was in your bible school but that doesn't mean you know me um and you know having the trust to come on the podcast um i appreciate that Uh, it was never never going to be a gotcha moment but that's certainly something that it could have been um so i appreciate you having the courage to to come on and to discuss these things uh so openly with me and uh if you would just uh give karen my best yeah. and let her know that I appreciate her being so vulnerable to discuss what she went through, you know, her mm-hmm. honesty, even the things she talks about when it comes to, you know, her, her mother's pregnancy with her, etc. Those things are so deep and so meaningful mm-hmm. and have done so much good. Um, I really, really appreciate her on that side as well. So, please give uh give my best to your family and where i mean i know i already screwed up the stinking podcast name but if people want to find more out uh, more about you please educate them and point them in the right direction
1: <laughs> very simply you can find everything at johnwelton.com and that's j o n w e l t o n.com
0: awesome well i certainly Certainly appreciate you coming on, man. I I really appreciate that Um, you made the time for us. And uh, I wish you well. Have a great evening. And uh, he's Jonathan Welton. I'm Quincy Moran. And this is Man Vs. Marriage. The
1: podcast. How good do you want your life to be?
0: you got to live on purpose for a purpose. It's truly about becoming the best version of yourself. It's possible. Yes, man versus married the podcast.
1: Truth be told, I'm not the man I once was, but I sold.